Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here and the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425 with the 4th of July, all that. We will be a little more free range on the phone calls today. How about that? Loosen it up for you a little bit. Uh, let you have a, have some fun. I hope you have a great, great, safe Independence Day um, and that you get to shoot some fireworks. Now, we will get there, by the way. We will talk about that. But first, got to talk about the ongoing meltdown from the Democrats. They're, they're having a, a bad run of it. They're having a bad go of it. Um, it's, oh. I want to read for you some hysteria. Now, full disclosure, uh, you may need a cigarette and a cold shower after I read this to you. Just, just, just be prepared. This is from uh, Mark Joseph Stern. He's the little hysteric who writes at Slate about the Supreme Court, and as always, the sky is falling and we're all going to die because of what the conservatives have done. Uh, His wife, by the way, works at the Supreme Court, or at least did. Listen to just this paragraph. He's so upset. Actually, you know what? I got to back up one paragraph. Got to back up one paragraph. The court's most immediately lethal decision remains Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization, which overturned Roe v. Wade. But do not let Dobbs distract from the onslaught that followed it. If anyone still doubts that the Supreme Court served as the nation's chief policy-making institution after Dobbs, Thursday should put that to rest. The court is ruthlessly efficient, putting our gridlocked Congress to shame with its speedy and definitive resolution of the most pressing issues facing the country today. It does not require hours-long hearings or endless negotiations to operate. The six-justice conservative majority chooses which conflicts to prioritize, takes up cases that present them, then picks a winner nearly always for the benefit of the conservative movement and the Republican Party. Consider the issues. SCOTUS has resolved this term, the first full term with a 6-3 conservative supermajority. The constitutional right to abortion, gone. State's ability to limit guns in public, gone. Tribal sovereignty against state intrusion, gone. Effective constraints against separation of church and state, gone. The ban on prayer in public schools, gone. Effective enforcement of Miranda warnings, gone. The ability to sue violent border agents, gone. The Environmental Protection Agency's authority to regulate greenhouse gases at power plants, Gone. Vast areas of the law established over the course of decades, washed away by a court over a few months. Oh, I'm a little breathless after that. My gosh. Wow. I want to marry that paragraph. In his world, I'd be allowed to. Wow. Mm. Sorry. Sorry, I got to think about the feminist protesters for a minute to calm myself down. Think about the hairy armpits for a minute. Mm. Wow, that's just wow. 
<laughs> I mean, this is the hysterical, hysterical uh, moment of the left's meltdown over what actually happened. What actually did happen, friends? The Supreme Court undid a whole bunch of damage that progressives have inflicted on the nation through activists. And now they're screaming, well, these are the activists. These are the activists. No, all we're undoing are your gains. I mean, literally, folks, all the Supreme Court has done this term is it's not our power. And also, it's not your power. That's it. If that's activism, by God, I want it. If that's authoritarianism, more of this, please. What's really going on here? And this is important. I was a little bit intemperate yesterday on Twitter, suggested some people could go to hell and told them how to get there. I will be more temperate here. It's important for you to really understand what's going on here. Uh, the, the Democrats, first of all, it gives away the game. The Democrats are so upset about the rise of authoritarianism in the country that they are furious that the Supreme Court said uh, that the Supreme Court lacks powers to do things and Congress has to legislate, the executive branch can't. I'm sorry, but it's hard to take progressives seriously that they're concerned about authoritarianism when they're upset the Supreme Court says the executive branch can't legislate. Those of you screaming about the Supreme Court, in your words, it's your phrase, not mine, you need to check your privilege. Over the last 49 years, you've engaged in a series of wins in the United States Supreme Court. You have watched and we have watched the Supreme Court hand you things you couldn't get through democratic processes. We could go to state legislatures that were elected and get them to pass laws and inevitably they would get up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court would strike those democratically enacted laws down on your behalf. Take gay marriage as an example. It's now settled in Obergefeld, and the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case says we're not going back to revisit it. But a majority of states, through democratic means, passed referenda to change state constitutions, including the state of California, to say marriage was between a man and a woman. And you guys, after we did all that work, got all those votes, passed all those laws, changed all those constitutions, went to the Supreme Court and had five of them say, nope, sorry. The morality of Harvard Yard rules America. You can't do that. Screw democracy. And you're the ones upset now about authoritarianism. When those of us on the right, issue after issue after issue, including abortion, worked through the democratic processes of the country, you just got your Supreme Court genie out, rubbed it off, and got what you wanted from the Supreme Court, usually five men giving you exactly what you wanted. And you know, along the way, you guys forgot how to talk to anyone, not you. Your persuasion skills atrophied. You could just run to court and get what you wanted. You didn't have to convince any of us. You just had to convince a judge who was already sympathetic to you. In 2016, a liberal Harvard professor wrote a piece that said, we don't have to be defensively liberal now. Screw them. They lost. We won. A majority of judges on the federal bench were appointed by the left. That's that's an argument from a liberal professor in 2016. Screw the right. We won. They lost. The majority of courts are ours. We can even get stuff through the Supreme Court. That was their position. Meanwhile, 
For 49 years, my side has had to refine our arguments. We've had to persuade rich and poor, black and white, men and women, that what we wanted was right, that the Supreme Court was too powerful, and we needed to change it and rein it in and make it more responsive to democracy. So we changed legislators at the state level and built a farm team of conservatives. We found intellectuals who would make persuasive arguments that then shifted the legal narrative in uh, law schools and help a bunch of lawyers find their voice to defend our side when it wasn't very popular in law schools. Meanwhile, you guys on the left, you took over the media, you took over the academy, you never had to persuade anybody because in your little bubble, everybody agrees. We were out in the heartland. We were persuading people in diverse places from Idaho to Alabama to Iowa to New Hampshire. From Florida to Arizona, we were having to persuade people to elect people in the state legislatures and to elect people to the federal government so that we could then rally around pro-life presidents who could then find pro-life judges who could then get the Senate to confirm them and put them in. We played by the rules, and every damn time you people would go to the Supreme Court and get them to snap their finger and give you exactly what you wanted. And now you can't do that. You can no longer rub your SCOTUS genie and get you what you want. Sorry, Jeffrey Tubin. We are a republic. We're not a pure democracy. We are a republic. We have republican institutions. They have democratic angles. They have democratic processes. But they're not a pure democracy because the founders had to balance out states and people. So there are two houses in the United States Congress. One of them represents the states and one of them represents the people. So you guys gave up on the people and you gave up on the states and you decided the states were an administrative subdivision of Washington, D.C. You totally forgot the rules of the game. You totally forgot how to play it. You totally forgot it. Meanwhile, we worked through that system. And we move the Supreme Court to the right. And what has that done? It's no longer one where we can rub the Supreme Court genie. That was the point. We didn't want to be able to have a genie in the Supreme Court that we can rub and get what we wanted. What did the Supreme Court do yesterday in West Virginia versus EPA? Said, I'm sorry, Congress is the one that has to do this. We can't. What did the Supreme Court do last week in Dobbs? It said, I'm sorry, the, the states have to deal with this issue. We can't. What did they do in Carson versus Macon two weeks ago? They said, I'm sorry, government can't discriminate between Christians and non-Christians. You got to treat them all equally. Y'all have relied on coastal elite and the morality of Harvard Yard and the Ivy League to get what you wanted out of the Supreme Court. You never had to persuade people. We got 50 states and 350 million people and conservatives learned how to talk to all of them. We weren't successful everywhere. We've had a lot of setbacks. Casey versus Planned Parenthood nearly destroyed the conservative movement. I think had Dobbs gone the other way, it would have destroyed the conservative movement. And now the conservative movement can die a peaceful death and rebuild itself, a phoenix rising with new issues and a new focus on the road ahead. We can have a debate now that your side never allowed us to have because you had five black-robed masters with life tenure at the Supreme Court who gave you what you wanted and precluded us from even having a chance. Not anymore, and that's why you're mad.
Y'all's problem when you're screaming about death of democracy is not that you are worried about democracy dying. It's that you actually now have to participate in it. Your coalition of angry, rich, rich MSNBC watchers isn't going to get you what you want anymore. So spare me your outrage about the death of democracy. Spare me your outrage about Donald Trump being an authoritarian. You want the executive branch of our government to be able to legislate in areas you care about, which is patently an affront to our constitutional order, patently an affront to the republic. But that's what you want. And you're screaming that the Supreme Court's going to make the world burn because you can't allow the executive branch to legislate in areas you want. And if you were smart about it, you would think this was a great decision. We shouldn't allow the executive to have this much power because, my gosh, we just went through four years of Donald Trump. Imagine if he had this power. But no, 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 no. You think history bends in your direction. The arc of history is long but bends towards justice, and you think that's about you. So you really do think if only everyone would play fairly, you would have a permanent political majority. No, you literally want to bend the rules in your favor to prevent my side from ever being able to compete. And now you can't because the Supreme Court won't let you. In fact, you're freaked out. The Supreme Court is taking a case next year and they may decide state courts when the judges are elected with a partisan bent, state courts are not allowed to interfere with state legislatures redistricting, and you're freaked out about that. You know, I remember when Democrats loved gerrymandering. You loved it until it didn't work against you. You loved the Electoral College until it worked against you. You loved gerrymandering until it worked against you. Democrats love democracy and our Republican institutions as long as they work for Democrats. And the moment they stop, They scream about democracy dying. It's not democracy that's dying you people are scared of. It's actually having to win with democratic arguments in the ballot box that you're afraid of. You've never had to do that. You've lost the skill to be able to do that. And now you're screaming about the death of democracy. Why? Because the Supreme Court genie won't give you what you want. You actually have to ask the voters now in far off places like Iowa and Alabama. And you know, they don't like you. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options. Great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, More importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, You can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, You can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it, and I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's 
SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be a part of this program. Imani Perry is a professor of African-American culture at Princeton University. Her main interests, according to Wikipedia, race, African-American culture, citizenship, American politics, intellectual traditions, feminist thought, religious thought. She's got a PhD from Harvard, a JD from Harvard. Uh, She's highly educated, so overeducated, she displays her pronouns in her Twitter bio. I want to read for you one of her tweets. The current court is horrifying, but not in isolation. It is particularly horrified in how it exists in relationship to the entire order, not unlike the Electoral College and the Senate. You mean it exists in relationship to the entire American constitutional order where the powers of the morons who put pronouns in their Twitter bio are restrained? You know, when they were the minority, they loved the Electoral College and they loved the Senate and they loved the Supreme Court. Now that they're in the majority and they can't get their way and they have to deal with the hicks and rubes of conservatism that they despise, they really suddenly hate the whole constitutional order. They have decided the whole thing is racist and they are on a quest to delegitimize it and discredit it and upend it so they can build something new. Why is that exactly? Why are all of these people who for years were able to rub off the Scotus genie and get what they wanted suddenly appalled that they can't anymore, that they have to suddenly deal with Americans through Democratic and Republican institutions? The Electoral College and the Senate are reminders states matter. You can't just pile up in one massive state a bunch of progressives and dominate the rest of the country. You have to learn to build consensus to get stuff done. The founders of our system were very wise men, far wiser than the people who put pronouns in their Twitter bio. And they realized in a country that is not homogenous, that is very diverse, that has lots of regions and cultural idiosyncrasies, you had to build consensus to get anything done at the federal level. Gridlock is a feature, not a bug. And these people are so used to having their way and getting everything they want, and now they can't, and they are throwing a temper tantrum. Why are they throwing the temper tantrum? Because they're spoiled by a system that for so long benefited them and no longer does. That's what this is all about, this temper tantrum from the left. Now they actually have to deal with the rest of us instead of ignoring us. Fly over country no more, they got to drive through and talk to us or else they get nothing. I want you to get something. I want you to get this great deal from Omaha Steaks. You're going to save over 50%, and your dad is going to love it. Your mom is going to love it. You're going to love it. Your spouse is going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. Your significant other is going to love it. You're saving money, and you're getting unbelievable quality and 100% satisfaction going guaranteed by going to omahasteaks.com, putting Eric in the search bar, E-R-I-C-K. That's all you do. It's very easy. You go to omahasteaks.com. You put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar. You will see 
this incredible value, and you get eight burgers for free. And these are not your standard, just hand-pressed ground chuck fare that you get at the grocery store. These are the great blended burger from Omaha Steaks. They are tasty. They are delicious. They're very beefy. You know what I mean by that? Is, I mean that it's a good thing. Is that they've got a great beef flavor to them. Uh, all their beef does. And you get chicken, you get pork chops, you get caramel apple tartlets, you get potatoes au gratin. So much in this uh, package from Omaha Steaks, you're getting over 50% savings and you're getting 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you're not happy, they'll make you happy. Just go to omahasteaks.com, put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar, and you'll be able to get unbelievable savings, great value, and great, great quality delivered to your door. You don't have to go to the grocery store. Just go to omahasteaks.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425 because it's the holiday, the big holiday, one of my favorite holidays, Independence Day, the 4th of July. Well, I want to be a little loose on phone calls and let you be able to call in. You can help guide the coverage of the show today until I say so. (laughs) I want to go to the phone, starting with Henry. You're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I was telling your call screener that uh, I was listening to your opening monologue, and it was brilliant. It was dead on. And that therein lies the issue uh, when you confront our counterparts on the other side of the aisle uh, with facts. They don't want to listen. Uh, they're like children, uh, me or no way, right? And I wanted to tell you, too, I'm a fellow uh, uh, graduate of Mercer, but I graduated a lot, a lot earlier than you back in 82. Oh. But I love your show. And uh, I tell you, uh, it, it just it's a pleasure to hear this because I was a longtime listener of Rush's when he first started. And uh, I, I think you're going to fill those big shoes. I honestly Well, do. look, that's that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. So now, you, all right. So, so you graduated under undergrad at Mercer in 82. Huh? Yes, sir. Yes, all right. Yes. So sir, you didn't did. suffer through the law school there. <laughs> uh, no, but I had several fraternity brothers that did and uh, who, who I won't name, but uh Yes, I know they did, and they're successful attorneys now, but uh, a lot has changed. I went to the old campus about a year and a half ago, and I was just blown away by all the changes because the last time I was there was in August of 82. Yeah, I've got to get my my daughter over first a uh, tour of the engineering school there. She really wants to go to tech, but she's like, I'll, I'll go look at Mercer, too. Um, and so I, I need to, the, the president of the university keeps sending me notes saying, when are you coming? When are you coming? I got to go. Um, it has changed dramatically since I was there in the late nineties too. I get lost on campus. Now it's, it's a, it's a great school. Listen, Henry, have a great, great weekend. I appreciate you calling. Well, thank you for what you're doing, Eric. And, uh, I love listening to you. I drive a lot and I listen to your show. I can't wait for 12 o'clock when it comes on. So thank you for what you do. Thank Brilliant you. monologue spot on. Thank you. Take care. The full number is 877-973-7425. I'll just note if the regular call screener were here, he wouldn't have let Henry on to say nice things to me. <laughs> He's listening right now. I'm giving him a hard time. Uh, Tim, you're up next. Welcome. Well, like the last caller, I think I got through. Um, I love your show, Eric, and, and I'm really glad that he brought up Rush because you filled the void. Oh, gosh. Uh, thank Rush you. But but what I had was two comments, and that's how Rush used to always bring up things by 
illustrating how absurd the left was by using their own words. And I want to take the opportunity on your show to do the same thing, one of which was Obama when he said, elections have consequences. And the second one was Biden recently, multiple times, saying that no amendment is absolute. And they, those things have been just absolutely proven to, to be true, that uh, there's not an absolute right for the EPA to write regulations out of whole cloth. And elections most certainly do have consequences. It's just ironic that Donald Trump was the one who truly illustrated that and brought it home. Yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, one of the ironies here of, of Biden saying that um, the that no amendment is absolute is Biden thinks that the abortion right read into the Constitution should be absolute, uh, which is is exactly. uh, deeply hypocritical. Um, look, Tim, thanks very much for the phone call there. 877-973-7425. I, I got to go back to this piece just for perspective here. Mark Tushnet is a uh, liberal professor, and I want to read you some of this. Um, This is really important, so you understand this was written in May of 2016. So Donald Trump was clearly going to be the Republican nominee, Hillary Clinton the Democratic nominee, uh, and this is Mark Tushnet. Several generations of law students and their teachers grew up with federal courts dominated by conservatives. Not surprisingly, they found themselves wandering in the wilderness looking for any sign of hope. The result? Defensive crouch constitutionalism with every liberal position asserted nervously, its proponents looking over their shoulder for retaliation by conservatives. It's time to stop. Right now, more than half of the judges sitting on the courts of appeals were appointed by Democratic presidents. And though I wasn't able to locate up-to-date numbers, the same appears to be true of district courts. And those judges no longer have to be worried about reversal by the Supreme Court if they take aggressively liberal positions. They might be reversed, but there's no guarantee. And we shouldn't focus on the court's docket this year, which was shaped by conservative justices thinking they could count to five on a bench of cases. The docket will look quite different if they can't see that path to five votes that they decide which cases to review. What would abandoning defensive crouch liberalism look like? A jurisprudence of wrong the day it was decided. Liberals should be compiling lists of cases to be overruled at the first opportunity on the ground that they were wrong the day they were decided. My own list is Backey for rejecting all the rationales of affirmative action, Buckley versus Vallejo for ruling out the possibility that legislatures could develop reasonable campaign finance rules, Casey because of the undue burden test, and Shelby County. The culture wars are over. They lost. We won. Remember, they were the ones who characterized constitutional debates as culture wars, and they have had opportunities to reach a ceasefire, but rejected them in favor of scorched earth policy. The earth that was scorched, though, was their own. Aggressively exploit the ambiguities and loopholes and unfavorable precedents that aren't worth overruling. Remember that doctrine is a way to empower our allies and weaken theirs. Conservative decisions on class action arbitration should be understood as part of a long-term project of defunding the left. Much of the current court's voting rights jurisprudence strengthens Republicans, similar with campaign finance jurisprudence. Our models are Justices Brennan and Thurgood Marshall, not David Souter or John Marshall Harlan. Finally, screw Anthony Kennedy. 
I don't mean that liberals should treat him with disrespect, but defensive crouch liberalism meant not only trying to figure out arguments that would get Kennedy's apparent crucial vote, but also trying to milk his opinions for doctrines that might be awkwardly pressed into the service of liberals. I mean, that was that was a progressive saying that in 2016, thinking absolutely Hillary was going to win. Antonin Scalia was dead. It was 4-4 on the Supreme Court. Uh, pursue, pursue, push, 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 fight, fight, fight. Stop being defensive, liberals. Grab everything you can. We control a majority of the seats on the federal bench. That was them. That was them. You need to be reminded of that. You need to pay attention to that. That's what they wanted. It was widely circulated at the time. It was widely praised at the time. Now people have memory hold it, pretending, please don't make eye contact. Please don't make eye contact. This is what we wanted, but it's not anymore. We promise. We repent. So they won't use that language. It's just, it, it's it's striking to see them when they think they've won. What is it? Just I mean, just intellectually honest. An intellectually honest moment here. I'm not trying to make a partisan point here. Look at what the Supreme Court has said in the last two weeks. It said states, you can't discriminate between religious and non-religious people. States, you can't tell public employees they can't pray on the job. Federal government, you don't have any say in abortion. It's got to be left to the states. States. You can't subjectively deny someone a gun permit. You have to set objective standards for people to meet so that bureaucrats are restrained. And Congress, you have to legislate. You can't let the executive branch do your job for you. Every single major decision that's come out of the Supreme Court in the last two weeks has been about restraining the power of the government, either the federal or the state or both or the bureaucracy. Every single decision that has come from the Supreme Court in the last two weeks has been about restraining the power of government against you. Even the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade says this is not something for judges or the federal government to decide. State legislatures and the people have to decide this at the state level through democratic means. We can't preclude you from being able to weigh in on this decision. These were vast restraints placed on the power of government. Everyone should be applauding this. It actually makes you safer from the government. But the people who want to empower the government to impose their will on you, it's notable they're the ones who are angry. They're the ones who are upset. If you're a woman and you're upset about the Dobbs case, you have the ability now to persuade your friends, your family, your neighbors, other voters to address your concerns. You never even have to make that case before the Supreme Court did it for you. You could say, well, that's a good thing for you, but is it really a good thing for you to have to rely on five people who can be replaced over time as opposed to the democratic apparatus of this country at the state level? Your, more, your rights are more secure now by entrusting them to democratic institutions than to five life-tenured, out-of-touch people in Washington. We're all better off because of these decisions. That's just the reality. All right. Back to the phones we go. Uh, Amy, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. 
I was just wondering, with the EPA decision, does it call into question some of these regulatory statues that have been put in place and can it roll any of that stuff back that is so limiting? Yeah, it, it probably will some, um, not all of them. I'll tell you, um, most of the lawyers I've talked to said it's probably more proscriptive. Um, it, it'll probably, a lot of what will happen is the stuff that won't happen now, not stuff that has happened. One of the good examples is the student loan forgiveness plan that Joe Biden wanted regulators to enact. They probably will no longer be able to do the student loan forgiveness plan through a regulatory agency. Uh, there may as well be some of the other regulations, like, for example, uh, the Federal uh, Communications Commission. The FCC has looked at imposing, again, net neutrality, um, which is something Congress itself failed to pass. And so they will probably now clearly not be able to pass that again. Um, I'm trying to think there was one example somebody gave me last night of an example of a regulation that's probably out the window and it, it has slipped my mind all of a sudden, but I'll try to think of it. it definitely, though, moving forward, the agencies are going to have to be far, far more cautious in how they pursue uh, regulation if they can't cite a clear statutory provision from Congress. And of course, the left will say that, well, it's clear, it's clear, so we can do this. And it'll force conservative judges to rein them in. Chris, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, last year, you made a comment about the uh, Northwest Georgia Republican voting bloc not showing up for the Senate race, which right. put uh, War Warnock and Ossoff. I saw a recent poll yesterday that Stacey Abrams and um, Brian Kemp are tied. Last week, Kemp had maybe a four or five point lead. Um, I hope that that um, Kelly Leffler is doing what she said she was going to do and get a ground game and start educating some of these uh, new Republican voters that Trump brought into the fold because these new Trump voters, like them or not, are low information. They haven't been around long enough to understand um, the logistics of voting. You got to show up. It's a numbers game. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. Uh, um, it, one, one point for you there is the poll you're citing is the Quinnipiac poll, and Democrats in Georgia are even openly telling media outlets like the AJC the poll is bad, uh, that the Republicans yeah. should have five more points than they have in the poll. Uh, even Democrats in Georgia are saying national Democrats are playing this poll up as as a big fundraising opportunity. But in Georgia, uh, universally, even within the Warnock and the Abrams camp, they're dismissing the poll, saying it's it's not an accurate poll yeah. that overcounted young people. Um, well, so that, I hope, that's I hope one that's avenue the case. Yeah, it, well, me too. I, I, I remember a guy called you from North Georgia. You could tell he was a new Trump voter, and he said he said Eric, I called David Perdue's office and left a message. I told him if he didn't call me, I wasn't going to vote for him. See, he doesn't understand that a senator is a placeholder. He said, if David Perdue doesn't tell me what he's going to do if he gets into office, I ain't going to vote for him. Yeah. Uh, it, like, like I said, it's it's a numbers game. You, you, you put a senator in place, regardless of what he does, he's holding a place. Um, and so a, a lot of these new voters that Trump brought along need to be told, you got to show up. You got to keep the numbers up on well, our look, side. I, and, I actually, I think they will this time. I, I think we put enough stuff in place. Uh, we, we saw a massive turnout in the primary for Brian Kemp. 
I think a lot of folks who didn't turn out in the in the in the Senate runoffs because they really did think it was stolen are going to be stolen again. They know now they got to show up. They got to stop Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock. I think the Republicans will do well. They'll do well in part because of groups like Patriot Mobile that are out there helping the conservative movement. Uh, when you become a customer of Patriot Mobile, you are allowing them to build profit. And when they take their profit, they give a portion of it to the conservative movement. Uh, the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause, uh, voter turnout efforts for conservatives, they're really a great group of people, Christian conservatives, and they give you great cell phone service. If you want to be a customer of theirs, they use the same ta- cell towers everybody else uses. So you can go to them and get great service, and you can even take your existing phone number to them. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can even see their coverage maps on their site, how detailed they are down to your house. And you can move your phone number over or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT is the number, 972-PATRIOT. And uh, you will be able to get them to uh, move your service over to them with free activation using my name and work with a Christian conservative company that gives you great discounts for doing business with them and then funds the conservative movement. Again, it's patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan Nationwide. They want to help your business grow as we potentially head into really economically turbulent waters. You need a business partner who's been helping businesses grow since the early 90s. And the Frost family at First Liberty has, uh, where a lot of banks are going to give you a hard time. They want to help you. So reach out to them. Tell them I sent you. Go to firstlibertyga.com. We're talking big deals, $750,000 or more. But it's firstlibertyga.com. We are going to have to talk about the con- Now, listen, I, I want to take y'all's phone calls. There are a lot of you on hold. want to take your calls. But when we come back, I've got to play you some audio and talk about it before I get to your calls. And I don't have enough time right now to take your phone calls. because I've only got about a minute. I want to. You're just going to have to be patient with me. Um, We've got to talk about the economy, though. It is becoming, um, well, harder and harder for the Fed to figure out how to land the economy softly. And we're probably headed into hard times with a real bear market that we haven't seen in some time. I'll get there. Uh, but I've, when we come back, we, you know, I've got a, this unbelievable audio. It may be the most uh, arrogant moment, an out-of-touch moment of the Biden administration thus far. Uh, really unbelievable that they dared go there. Uh, but before I play any of that, I got to play you this clip. I mean, what has Congress done in terms of fighting climate change over the last, you pick the number of years? History of humanity? Yes. Um, yeah, far too little. And that's the unfortunate um, fact about where we are today as a country and as a world. We're so far behind that anything that um, restricts our ability in the future um, really imposes a major threat on the, on, the, on the temperature targets that we're aiming for right now. We have so little time. We need to be sort of th- throw everything at it that we can. And this is one less thing we can throw at it. What's so interesting here is there's no discussion in any of these talks about climate change of our constitutional order. That has to matter. There are rules we play by. You may not like it that we're bound to a 200-plus-year-old document, but we are. We are bound to a more than 200-year-old piece of paper. And you can change it if you don't like it. There's a way to do it, but you can't ignore it. And that's what all these conversations about climate change are doing, ignoring our constitutional order. 